But most of the time, we hear a no to our invitation. And so we don't like that rejection. Now, in Luke chapter 10, verse 16, you can read it in detail later. In fact, I encourage you to read the whole chapter. In that verse, in verse 16, Jesus says, you'll meet people that will reject you, but keep this in mind. When they reject what you're saying, they're actually rejecting me and they're really rejecting my Father who sent me. In effect, they're not really rejecting you. In fact, the word that he uses there in in the Greek language is about breaking faith. So it's like breaking a promise or breaking a relationship with a person or with God. And so this idea of us feeling like we're being rejected, it comes up because people often say no to us when we want to invite them, whether it's to Alpha, come to church, um, the comedy night on Wednesday. We get all nervous and we don't like hearing the word no. Ever caught yourself thinking, if I do invite my friend, you see, you feel God prompt you to invite someone and then you catch yourself thinking, what if they say no, what do I say next? Ever thought that? I mean, it's sort of like it's, we sort of think it's like a dead end in our discussion. What do we do next? Well, let's go to the next slide. What's wrong with the word no? Let's think about the word no. We hear it all the time. You say it all the time. In fact, I would hazard a guess that you say it to God quite regularly. So God invites you to ask your neighbour to come to Alpha and you say no to God because you're too nervous or you fear rejection. We hear the word no all the time. It's just two little letters. It's a very tiny word, but why does it have so much influence and power over our ability to actually either share our faith or invite people to come to church, to Alpha or Wednesday night? What's wrong with hearing the word no? I think what happens when we hear that word no, it brings up in us these feelings of rejection from our past. I think it actually brings up an unresolved issue. There wouldn't be anyone sitting here this morning that has not been rejected by someone at some point in their life. You might have been rejected this morning on the way to church in the car as you had a fight. Um, Or maybe you got rejected yesterday in the shops. Um, Who knows? Like Rejection is all around us. In fact, I would argue that rejection is unavoidable. It's unpleasant. So if it's unavoidable, shouldn't we learn to actually manage and deal with it? Rather than, I think what happens is, we're, you know, I mean, we're singing this morning, how great is our God? You know, let your kingdom come. And then tomorrow morning, God's going to prompt you to invite someone to come to Alpha and you say to God, you've got to be joking, I'm not doing that. But how great is our God? All fear is gone. We'll do anything for you, Lord. Okay, we'll go and invite your work colleague. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. We don't verbally say that to God but that's really what happens in our heads. So the word no, I think, pulls up from within us previous rejections and it sits there like a wound. It's like an open sore and it's so tender that every time someone touches it by rejecting your offer or your invitation or your explanation of the gospel, every time someone says no or they reject your words, it touches that unresolved wound that has been sitting there. Now, here's the issue for us who have been a Christian for some time. 
And I want to really address some of the more mature Christians, at least those who have been a Christian for a number of years. The issue for us is, and I'm talking about myself, I have to invite people as well. Um, I invited someone recently, I was, they swore at me. Had that experience? But the issue is this for us. Who are we really trusting? Are we trusting our wound of rejection or are we trusting God when he prompts us to actually go and invite someone? Who is really in control here? See, part of the difficulty is if we don't obey God when he asks us to go and ask someone, then we're really being disobedient or unfaithful. And I think there's this other layer where allowing the past to dominate our current obedience before God. Now, I think God cares about our feelings of rejection. I think he does. But what's, how do we, how are we going to manage, how are we going to grow by not living out our feelings of being rejected in the past and actually doing what God is asking us to do in the moment? Because I find often God will prompt you out of the blue. It's not always pre-planned, but you're just having a conversation or you see someone or you're, you know, you're taking out the rubbish bin, you notice your neighbour, you say hi, and God prompts you to talk to them. And most of the time, we, we more or less say to God, oh, I can't do that, and we turn around and go back inside. We're not actually, you know, it's one thing to say that we're disciples and followers of Jesus. It's another thing to actually be obedient in that moment. Now, please understand me. I'm not talking about asking everybody all the time I'm talking about obeying when God asks you to do it for him now I know every church I've done a lot of research on this whole issue every church has somewhat people that we call serial inviters they're like serial killers they have no shame so they'll invite everybody including the dog the cat the fence post they don't care they want everybody to come to know Jesus any serial inviters in the room today I'm sure we've got a couple here every church has a few they're always inviting everybody. Um, one time when I was talking about the fear of rejection in a, in a leaders meeting in another church, I had a fellow who was part of their congregation. He said to me in front of his, his other eldership, he said, Greg, I don't understand why you have to talk about this. He said, I went and invited my friend just yesterday and I said to him this, you might as well come to church with me this Sunday because you're going to end up in there in a pine box anyway. So why don't you come before that? He was a serial inviter. You know what? And his friend actually came. His friend said to him, oh, yeah, you're right. I've never thought of it that way. <laughs> serial inviters. The trouble is, you know, 95% of us are not serial inviters. We do care what people think of us. And that's part of the issue. So what did Jesus say about being rejected? So go to the next slide. Now, this is just out of Luke chapter 10. And I'll just give you, so I've given you one verse, of course. So I'm going to give you just a couple little quick ideas. The first thing Jesus said about being rejected, Luke 10 verse 16 is, it will happen. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. And everyone said, amen. Come on. You will be rejected. It's unavoidable. You don't pray and ask God to stop you from being rejected when you invite somebody to church, to Alpha or whatever. You will meet people that will say to you, no, I'm not interested. I can't even believe you go to church. Why would you bother with that stuff? You'll meet people like that. It's unavoidable. So that's point number one. It's going to happen. But that's no reason to be disobedient when God asks you to do it. Here's point number two. 
The interesting thing that he says um, before, just before that, he says to the disciples, if you do meet a township that's not interested, just wipe the dust off your feet and go to the next place. And you know what? We don't do that. We let the dust of rejection stick to our spirit and our hearts and it penetrates us so deeply it's controlling us. You've got to wipe the dust of rejection off and just move on because there are other people ready to respond. And here's something that I've learned in all the 30 years of inviting people to all sorts of things. I cannot tell who will say yes and I cannot tell who will say no. Sometimes the person that has said no to my invitations for 28 years all of a sudden said yes. And in fact, that person came to our church. The funny thing is, I said to Sue, I said, oh, I feel God asking me to go and ask them to come to church. And I'm saying, are you sure, God? Yeah, this is one of the people who used to swear at me and argue anytime Christianity was mentioned. They'd attack me even if I didn't bring it up. And this went on for 28 years and God said to me, go and invite them to church. And I said to God, you must be kidding. I think you've got the wrong address. But, you know, I have to practice what I preach. So I contacted them and I said, would you like to come to church? Well, I nearly fell over. They said to me, actually, yes, I would. So you can't tell. Don't think that you can prejudge what God is doing in someone else's life. You cannot by external behaviour, by previous conversations, by their look, by their feel, what they said to you last week. You don't play God. If God prompts you and says, go and ask that person, just go and ask that person. If they say yes, fantastic. If they say no, fantastic because you have done what God has asked you to do. You will be rejected, but wipe the dust from your soul when you are. Rejection is not the problem. It's your obedience or disobedience that is the problem. We don't invite people just because it's going to work every time that we do it. Get that thought out of your head. And I'm going to tell you why. I'll tell you why I think it doesn't work every time in a few minutes. So... Number one, you will be rejected. Number two, wipe the dust of rejection off you. It's not your responsibility. You di- it's not that you said the wrong thing or it was the wrong time because that's the sort of stuff that goes through our head, right? Oh, I should have said this. You know, you lie awake the next night thinking, oh, why did I say that? They must think I'm an idiot, you know. It's not that, but that's what runs through our heads. But here's the real reason, the third reason, I think why God sends us to invite people. Now think about, just think about this. God sends me to invite my friend and yet he already knows they'll say no. So what's that all about? You ever thought about that? Why would God send me to ask somebody when he already says, he knows that they'll already say no? And that's the next slide, thanks. I think this is the issue, it's about us. I think the no is for you. The no is for me. We've got this crazy idea that people always say yes to God. No, they don't. Or they always say yes to God's messengers. No, they don't. So God sends Moses to Pharaoh ten times to ask if he'll let his people go. And how many times did Pharaoh say no? Ten times. 
the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, keep the commandments. And he says, well, I've done that. He says, well, sell all your possessions and follow me. He never followed him. He said, no. Jesus didn't always get a yes. So really, I think something else deeper is going on here. If God prompts you to invite someone and God knows what their answer will already be, the invitation is not just about them, it's also about us. The no can actually grow you. The no is not the end of the discussion or the dead end that you've sort of, I think, developed this idea that it is. The no is actually for our benefit because it's part of our growth discipling process. I actually think a no to an invitation helps us to deal with our own stuff about rejection. So feelings of rejection are very strong. They're very negative. They're powerful. So some of the feelings that we often have, when you think about it, um, I've got a list here. Let me read you. I've got a friend that researches why Christians won't invite their friends, a friend in the UK. That's, he's been researching this for 12 years. So I was Skyping him just um, this week. We're, we're close friends. And this, this is comments from Christians that he's researched around the world on why they don't invite their friends to church when God prompts them. He says, this is what it says. Their response was, when, they, when my friend said no, it shook me to the core. When my friend said no, I felt undermined. It belittled me. It diminished who I was. It dashed all my hopes for my friend. So these are pain-filled expressions. There's something else going on here. And I think being, being rejected for Jesus brings up other rejection issues in our life from our past. So rejection from parents, primary caregivers, teachers, siblings, um, work colleagues, neighbours, close friends. It brings it all up, this tenderness and vulnerability but the wound of rejection distorts our thinking and be, plays the role of God in our lives at that point because it takes over. You allow it to take over. I allow it to take over. And what we do is we swap the fear of man for the fear of God because we have an unresolved wound of rejection. And so our strategy is, I'm never going to ask anyone again. I'll never be rejected again. I've heard people say that, not just about inviting people to church or Alpha, but just in general life. And we have this absolute illusion that we can build a wall to protect ourselves from ever being rejected. You can't. It's vapour. There's no wall there at all. You don't know how you're going to respond to someone's words when they're strong or negative. <coughs> Pardon me. We think we, can, we have this protectionist idea if I don't invite, I won't get rejected. Rubbish. People reject you for all sorts of reasons in all sorts of parts of your life, in all sorts of relationships. It's unavoidable. So why not allow God to use it to develop and grow you? I think we would like to ask God to come along and cut out the wound of rejection like a surgeon would cut out a cancer. We think God should instant, automatically and supernaturally deliver us from these negative feelings. But what I've found is God doesn't treat our wounds that way. 
I know we'd prefer him to do it that way. Just cut it out, Lord, and I'll be right. (coughs) But what I've found is God usually takes our wounds and he makes something grow up in the middle of our wound that is valuable, precious, and changes the direction of who we are and how we act. So I think, I think of my wound of rejection is a bit like, it's like a crack in the ground. And I just want God to cover up the crack. You know, I'd prefer it just to be gone so it's not tender, I'm not vulnerable, I'm not going to react when someone says no or rejects me for any reason. God, just take it away. But what God does, he plants something in it. And it's a bit like, um, <coughs> pardon me, it's a bit like a new shoot, a new plant coming up from that crack. And it's something that's actually still vulnerable, but God nurtures us through our feelings of rejection. If we allow him to, if we cooperate with him, and he has this uncanny ability to take something corrupt, painful, distorted, and make it tender and make it a strength in your life. (coughs) Excuse me. Sometimes our greatest weaknesses becomes our greatest strength. The experience still happened, but God can take it and push you beyond that barrier. But you have to cooperate with him. And the way I often find God gets me to deal with my wounds is he pushes me straight back into it. I have a theory about God. I have to chat to him one day and Clarissa said we're going to stand before him. I've got a list of questions. Anyone else got a list of questions as well? I think, I saw that hand, I think God is more interested in our maturity than our comfort. And we want to avoid things that are uncomfortable, pain, difficulty, struggle, trial, rejection. We want to avoid that at all costs. We want, to, we want this sort of armchair, hassle-free ride that we call Christianity. But that's not what it is. Christianity's never been that. G.K. Chesterton, um, a great preacher from last century, he, he's got one of the best phrases ever. He says, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. Christianity has been tried and found very difficult. Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been tried and found very difficult. So why would God ask me to invite my friend to Alpha and he already knows the answer? I mean, the answer might be yes, the answer might be tell me more, or the answer might be no, because he's trying to develop me. He's asking me to do something for my benefit. He doesn't really need me to invite my friend necessarily, but he asked me to cooperate with him. So I want to encourage you to think about your wound of rejection as God taking it to make something that's strong. I mean, we all know every trial, struggle, weakness we've gone through in life, if we allow God to minister into that space, it can become a wonderful ability for us to minister to somebody else who's experienced the same thing. We know that, don't we? God takes our weaknesses and makes it into something that he'll use for the benefit of other people. And so it's not about avoiding when God asks us to 
invite someone or to share our faith, it's not about don't avoid it. You can, you'll still be nervous. You'll still be vulnerable. I'm still that way. But don't let the past invade the present and dictate your response or really your disobedience towards what God asks you to do. So I think sometimes we cover our emotional deficiencies with a bit of super spirituality. Oh, the Lord wouldn't ask me to do that. I'm not an evangelist. And really we're talking out of our deficiency, our wound. We're not talking out of our strength. We're not talking out of our obedience or our faithfulness. How many Bible stories are there where God asked someone to do something for Him that they had no ability to do? That's every story. So what makes you think you get off the hook? What makes me think I get off the hook? We don't. In fact, I think the reason why God asks us to do things is because He knows you can't do it without Him. And again, it's because of you He's asking. It's your growth. It's your maturity. He doesn't need us, but we need Him. And His way, His pathway to grow us includes struggle, includes overcoming. You know, we use these cliche phrases, you know, there's no testimony without test. I mean, it sounds good, but when you're in the middle of the test, it doesn't sound so good, does it? But that's discipleship. That's how God transforms us, makes us overcome. He doesn't cut it out. He moves us beyond it, but we have to step into it. So in the seat in front of you, you have a little prayer card here for Alpha. I want you to just grab it. There's enough for everyone. So please, I want everyone to pick one up. If you're in the front row, you might have to steal them from behind. Or the people in the back could donate one, a free one. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to invite someone to come to Alpha this week. But listen to me carefully. Just give me your attention for a minute. I'll show you what we're going to do. I don't think you should just necessarily go and ask any random person. I think we should, this is about obeying God. So when God actually prompts us to do it. So in a moment, we're just going to stop and we're going to pray. And on behalf of all of us in this room, I'm going to ask God, is there someone that he wants us all to invite this week to come to Alpha? So someone who maybe is not a Christian or someone who's away from God, someone who maybe is struggling in their relationship with God, it doesn't, you can invite anyone to Alpha. Right? We, we're happy to receive anyone because Alpha changes people. So if God gives you a name of a friend, a colleague, a family member, I'm going to get you to write that name on the back and we're going to pray over those names and we're going to pray about you going to invite them. If you don't get a name when we pray and God doesn't clearly give you a name, either the the full name itself or you might see the picture of a person or you might recall a conversation you've just had with someone recently. If you don't get a name, don't make it up. Right? Again, we're not playing God. But just put a question mark there if you don't get a name because guess what I've found? Sometimes when I pray and ask God for something, He doesn't answer me today. But Tuesday afternoon, you know, when I'm dropping the kids off at school, God says, go and invite them. So it's not that God won't prompt us at any time. It's just that when he's ready, he'll tell us. So that's what we're going to do. So let's close our eyes. Just to close out distractions, closing your eyes. You can pray with your eyes open, but let's just close our eyes. And Father, 
I pray that we submit, all of us, submit our wound of rejection to you right now. That you would have your way by helping us to trust you more than our pain. That we would not let our faulty thinking keep us at an immature level as your disciple. And so, Father, is there someone in our lives that you would like us to invite to Alpha? Father, I ask that for all of us, you would show us who that person might be. Someone that you're already working on and talking to. So, Father, just speak to us now. Now, if you did get a name, just take a pen and write that name on the back of that prayer card. If you didn't get a name, just put a question mark. Just do that now for me. And as you do that, I'm going to show you another video clip just to give you a look at the new Alpha. Alpha's totally changed. It's like watching a 30-minute documentary with a variety of people in it. So I'll just show you a little trailer for that. Thanks very much. It's totally different, isn't it? it it's fantastic. I'm, we're going to put some clips up on our website and on our Facebook page. Let, let me just finish with a couple of things. Actually, if you've got a pen there, I want you to write some of these things down. How am I going to invite someone? How do I do it? If God's given me a name, how do I do it? Let me tell you a couple of things. Number one, the yes or the no to your question is not your responsibility. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul says to the Corinthian church, I planted... Apollos watered, but only God made it grow. So the yes or the no has nothing to do with you. You can't mess it up. You can't get it wrong. You're not responsible to get a yes. It has nothing to do with you. It's between them and God. We forget that. You're not responsible to get a yes. 
You are responsible to be obedient if God prompts you to do it. So that's number one. Don't worry about the yes or the no. You don't have to get a yes. Just ask the question. And then you're saying, well, Greg, how do I ask the question? Great question. You simply say to them, listen, we're running what's called Alpha. We have a meal. We watch a 30-minute clip around an issue of faith and spirituality from a Christian point of view. And then we have an open discussion, judgment-free, relaxed environment. Would you like to come? Now, if they say yes, say great. Work out how you're going to pick them up. If they say no, just say, well, if you're ever interested in the future of discussing spiritual things, just let me know because we will run Alpha regularly. Or you could bring them to church or connect group. So the no is not the end of the discussion. You just say, well, if you're ever interested, you know I'm here. They might ask you a tricky theological question. This is point number three. They ask you a tricky theological question and you don't know the answer. Just be honest. I have no idea. That's a great question. But you know what? That's what we talk about at Alpha. Another reason to come along. Don't think you have to know all the answers. We've all got questions. Haven't we all got questions we'd like to ask God? It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian 50 years or five minutes. We've all got questions. So just be honest. If you don't know, say, great question. I have no idea. But you know, that's actually what we do at Alpha. We talk about openly those sort of questions. Number, give me a couple more. Um, Number seven. Sorry, I've got on my notes number seven, but I'm only about number five for you. Number five, just be yourself. Don't try and be, you know, super Christian man or woman with all the answers and say everything perfectly. Most invitations happen in the context of an ongoing relationship with your neighbour, your work colleague, your family friend. So just be yourself. And the, the second thing is, don't criticise. If they say, oh, why would anyone want to, you know, explore Christianity? Don't, this is what I normally do. I never defend God. He doesn't need my defence. So I don't stick up for him. He can stick up for himself. Is that a good strategy? Number two, I never defend another Christian. Because usually when someone tells you a painful story, oh, I had this neighbour once and all they did was tell me I was going to hell. So don't defend that other Christian or their story because you know what if you defend some story of the person you're inviting that was painful for them you're just criticizing them that's how they hear it all you have to do is affirm their pain and their difficulty all you have to say is that sounds like it was a very terrible experience but don't defend you know everyone's got a story the actual issue between your friend who you want to invite to alpha and god is not their beliefs it's their painful experience that God has to change. That's the barrier. So don't criticise, affirm, and just show love and respect. And leave the yes or no to God. Amen? Why don't we stand together? We're going to pray over those names. Hold that card in your hand. If you've got a name on there or even a question mark, just hold it in your hand and I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to pray for you to do the invitation. Father God, we commit these names to you. Lord, we know that it's only your spirit that does the inviting, the convicting, the changing, the transformation, the salvations. It's not our words. It's not us. So we commit these names to you, Lord. Work on their hearts and minds as you have been. And Lord, I pray for all of us here, when we are prompted this week to go and invite someone, that we would put our trust in you and not in our painful past. And we would grow and mature out of really not trusting you. So Lord, we need your help. 
We need your help. Holy Spirit, infuse us with strength and understanding and compassion as we go and invite our friends. And Lord, we pray that this church would continue to grow as people come to faith for the very first time. Let there be a harvest over this place, Lord. And let us be the workers that actually go into the fields. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. If you want to sign up for Alpha today, go and do it um, at the display table in the foyer. Um, If you're first time visiting, please come and have a chat to us at the Connect Lounge at the back there, just on your left of this uh, particular auditorium. Otherwise, have a great day. May the Lord bless you.